Our precious Father, we want to thank you for the privilege we have to hear your word. We are so grateful. And we trust you that you will help us to understand the mysteries of your kingdom, the wisdom of heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are talking about the spirit life. And today we are talking about grafted to the vine. The sermon plan this morning is to remind us of some things that we have been saying for emphasis because they are worth emphasizing. Then we see what happens when Christians do not believe these things or forget them, uh, how their life is adversely affected. And we will see how Paul corrected that in the life of churches and the result that it produced. So we're going to start with reading Ephesians 2 verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. I am God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. We are God's masterpiece. Ephesians 2.10. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do so if he didn't create us new, we cannot do. It, it, it needs to be clear to everybody. The reason he created us new is so that we can do now. We can now do the good things he planned for us long ago. Before he created us, we couldn't do them. But because he created us now, he gave us a new nature. He gave us the life of his son. And now we are able to do those things that God has planned for us to do, which is to live the life that pleases him to live his type of life, his holy life, his righteous life, that, his, that was his son. So now we have a son, we're able to live that life. And then the Lord Jesus explained this in Matthew 12, 33. Either make the tree good, Matthew 12, 33. Either make the tree good or his fruit good, and his fruit good. So if you want the fruit to be good, you make the tree good. You change the nature of the tree from bad to good so that the fruit it bears will be good. Or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by its, his fruit. So if the tree is by nature corrupt, the fruit will be corrupt. So the only way you can change that tree to be able to produce good fruit is to change its nature. Then in Matthew 23, verse 25, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you are so careful, so careful now, to clean the outside of the cup and the dish. But what they didn't know is that that is not what makes you bear good food, like people do today. You know, playing to the gallery, the people want people to see us that we are good. That's not what makes you good. The Lord Jesus made it very clear. And that's why God does not look at the outside. God looks at the inside. What is inside the man? For you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy. This tree is bad and cannot produce good fruit. And that was why everything they did, they did to be seen of men. They were not really God conscious. It was a prideful thing they were doing. It says, full of greed, and self-indulgence. 26, you blind Pharisees. Why? Because they don't understand these things. They don't know the truth. 
They don't understand this. You blind Pharisees, first wash the inside of the cup. Again, he's emphasizing the fact that you can't produce good fruit when your nature is evil. And he came to give this nature to us, but he, they didn't understand that. So, you blind Pharisees, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish. And then, and then, the outside will become clean too. 27. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you are like whitewashed tombs. Beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. So he was telling them, you don't have the life of God within you, so you can't produce it. You can't. You can't produce what you don't have. He said, a tree is known by its fruit. And so we must, we must understand this basic Christian truth. That Jesus came to give us a new life. I've come that you have life and have it more abundantly. If he didn't come, we would never have this life. The laws of Moses could not impact it to us. We would have still had our old nature and behaving like the Pharisees, wanting to be good outside, but inside is dirty. So Jesus came to cleanse the inside, to give us a new life, to, to give us his spirit to live in us, to create us new so we can now do, produce those fruits that God wanted us to produce all this way. But those who do not know this, do this truth of what God has given us for life and godliness, those who do not know it or think they don't even need it or those who even forget it are not conscious of the new man, the hidden man, the new nature they have. Remember, forgetful hearers are the same thing as people who are ignorant. The Bible says forgetful hearers deceive themselves. Those who forget these things, who do not give it attention, who don't think that the life Jesus gave them is what understanding and remembering and relying upon. People who are not conscious of this new life, just as we need to be conscious of the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. We need to be conscious of the presence of the hidden man, the new person, the masterpiece that God has made you to be, the peculiar person you are, the unusual person you are, the priest of God that God has made you to be. We need to be conscious of that. If we are not conscious of that, we are going to live in the flesh. That new nature we have will not be active in our life. It will not be active. Because, you see, God will not be active in your life unless you believe him, unless you recognize him, unless you acknowledge him. When you acknowledge God, he begins to be active in your life. If you don't acknowledge him, he will not be active. He, he will, it's, it's your faith that activates it. He, he will not be active at all. And then if your new nature is not active, guess what happens? You are left with only your flesh to live with. Because now you don't acknowledge the hidden man of the heart like Paul acknowledged it. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. If you don't acknowledge this thing, that this work of God that is done in your life, you are going to be left with only one option, and that is your flesh. And that's how Christians don't change. Because they don't acknowledge this truth, they never get free. Then the freedom is the flesh cannot cut through you no more. There's a new nature that God gave you so that you can now do those things that God wants you to do. Now listen, if you, if you don't, all the character flaws you were born with will be manifested. And you won't have an answer. 
You'll be struggling with it, doing whatever you want to do, but it will show because it overtakes you suddenly. It's natural. It's native to you. You, you get angry so suddenly, and you start talking. You start boiling, and after that, you, get, you, 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 you feel so bad. But it comes on because it's natural. It's native to you. You are deploying that flesh that is sinful because you don't believe or you are forgotten, you don't accept, you don't acknowledge the new nature. That anger is not in the new nature. If the new nature is active and dominating, that thing will not come up. What will come up is the nature of the new man that God said I've given you so that you can manifest the love of God, the goodness of God, the mercy of God, the compassion of God, all the fruit of the Spirit is from that new man. If it's manifesting, it's native to it, it's natural to it, you will see that spring up. It will spring up just like this anger springs up on you. The same way the love of God will spring up on you because it's active. The new man is active. The new man is dominating. So the one that dominates you is the one you really acknowledge. It's the one you believe in. That's why I told you people, I said, confess this sins daily until it becomes part of your consciousness. Thank God every day that he created you new, that you are a masterpiece of his creation, that you're a new creation, that Christ lives in you, have the life of Christ. Let it be part of your worship language until it, it roots, gets rooted in you and you live with that consciousness. That new man will be active now because you are, you are acknowledging the work of grace, the work of God that God has done in your life. And people who don't do this, there are many people who think this is not... What they want to hear. What they want to hear is that, give me the laws to obey. And they think they are good. They really think, like the Pharisees thought they were good. They think they are good. They are convinced they are good. But when you neglect what God gave you for, for life and godliness, I don't know what else you have for, to produce that life and godliness. I don't know what else. But God gave us this new life so we can produce life, the life that pleases him, the fruit of the Spirit, the life of Jesus. But if I neglect it or you neglect it, what are you really deploying again? Then your religious mindset will kick in. You become a carnal Christian. You, 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 you become really carnal. There's nothing else to say about it. And then the scripture describes it here in 1 Corinthians 3.3. For you are still unspiritual. Yeah, he's talking about Christians. These are believers who gave their life to Christ. Who have the new life. They have the new spirit. The hidden man is there. So, because, and the spirit, but they are employing the carnal nature, the physical nature, the physical thing, because they don't know better. They don't know better. For you are still unspiritual, having the nature of the flesh. Why? The spiritual part of you is neglected, so it's not active. The Christ in you is totally neglected. The, the, the hidden man in you is neglected, it's not active. So you see yourself as a mere human being because you don't know the other the other identity you have, even if you know it, you know it at the mental level, it's not really real to you. And because you don't know it, you live in the mental, you see yourself as natural. Because that's just perception, really, of you. And so what happens is you now be, you believe in unspiritual life because the spiritual part of you is not active. You believe in, you say you are unspiritual, having the nature of the flesh, under the control of ordinary impulses, for as long as there are envying and jealousy and wrangling and factions among you, you are not, are you not unspiritual? Are you, are you engaging the spiritual you that is born of the spirit? 
You are not. So you are automatically and naturally unspiritual and carnal and natural. That's what you do. So like I illustrated, the anger will come, boom, and it takes over you, whether you are married or anywhere. Once it comes, whoa, it's native to the, to the carnal nature. It comes up. And that's how, you know, you, you, you come and pretend you're, you, you, you're smiling to somebody, but inside of you is anger, your resentment. You don't really like the person. You don't love the person. That's why we gossip. Tell lies. The, the natural flesh on spiritual nature is sinful. If you live in it, that's the natural thing it produces, the works of the flesh. That's what it will produce. Party spirit, jealousy. Somebody wears this, I have to wear that. And then you, you, go, you go and order clothes, you are not ready to pay. You know you won't pay. You know you won't pay. You know you will not pay. You are still owing people. You don't want to pay. Because you, you are employing the rotten natural flesh that's unspiritual. It's kind of sinful. Oh, it says, it says, it says, let me continue. Wrangling and fashions among you. You are not, are you not unspiritual and of the flesh, behaving yourself after a human standard and like mere unchanged men? Because the changed part of you is not being deployed, it's not active. Because you don't acknowledge it, you don't know it, you don't believe it, and what you don't believe, you don't get. Bible says, let no man think he will receive anything from the Lord if he doesn't believe and constantly believe. If he's wavering, he will not receive it, will not experience it. Verse 4, for when one says, I belong to Paul and another, I belong to Apollos, are you not proving yourself ordinary, unchanged men? You know, I told you a story how I bought a car after I graduated. Bought a car, very good car, air conditioned. And I parked it in my garage. My garage had this uh, closed door garage. It wasn't an open garage. And in the morning, I woke up to go to work at ABU Teaching Hospital. I forgot I had a car. I simply forgot. And I walked out the door, walking on the streets, going to get transport to my job. I had walked some distance when I realized, wait a minute, didn't I buy a car yesterday? Now, that's what happens. When, when, you, when you forget that you have the new man and you don't acknowledge him, it's packed there. And what you are going to be using is your natural effort. And that natural effort is called carnal. It will produce what is native to it. You don't have to learn it. It will simply begin manifesting. But you know, human effort does not serve the purpose of God. It doesn't. We never. Look at scripture here. Acts 7.48 However, the Most High doesn't live in temples made by human hands, as the prophet says. Human hands do not build the temple of God. We are the, temp we are the temple of God. Jesus said, I'm the one to build it. So you can't build your life with the temple with human hands. And the Bible, God told us, it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Whatever God does is by his spirit. The, the, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not carnal. They're spiritual. The word of God is not carnal, it's spiritual. And God says, it's by my spirit, always by his spirit. Nothing by our carnal nature serves the purpose of God. Nothing. Acts 17, 25. And human hands can't serve his needs. Human hands can't serve his purposes. For he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything. And he satisfies every need.
And then the result of this kind of thing, when we do not believe and understand that it is by the Spirit, by the new man, by the Spirit of Christ in us, what happens, this kind of things, it, it, it robs us of boldness. Because, and then it destroys your testimony. Because people know you by those things, you know. They may not tell you. But anywhere you are, people know you. They know you. You are not kidding yourself. They know you. Because a fruit is seen. Jesus is saying people are known by their fruits. They know your carnal fruits. They know you very well. And you don't command such uh, um, acts. You don't command, command such authenticity. You don't. Because what makes people, you are not believable. What makes people believable, what makes somebody believable is when his life and his words agree. When you are teaching, you are a leader in the church, but you are full of anger, full of distance, it doesn't match the fruit of the spirit. You are not believable at all. And anytime you talk, they say he has come again. And truth to type, you come again. You come again. You can preach all you want to. But Paul said, look, the, my, the, my credential is that I follow Jesus. And you know the manner of man we are among you. That that's our credential. That authenticates what we are preaching to you. So you see, it robs us of boldness. It, robs you, it messes up your testimony. Anywhere you are, even at your job, you can carry fat Bible, but your testimony is not believable. And you're not, you, you, you can't preach Christ crucified with that kind of behavior. You know? So when you lose, <laughs> if you lose your boldness, even before God, you won't have boldness. Even before the devil, you won't have good, good boldness. Why? Only clear conscience fears no accusation. Only clear conscience. You can't have clear conscience when you know you are exhibiting these guilty things. And they say the devil accuses us, but you and the devil, you give him things to be accusing you of. Didn't Paul say we should live with clear conscience before God and man? If you live in the spirit, there's no law against these things. And the devil have nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. You, you, you have peace. He said to follow the spirit is, is peace. But when you have tomorrow, when, whenever we do things that are not of God, we, have, we don't have peace. We don't. No matter how we do bold faith, we never have peace at all. It doesn't lead to peace. So you lose your boldness, you lose your peace, and it clocks up the move of God in you clocks up the move of God in your life because what you are deploying, that what you are using is contrary to the nature of God. It's fighting the spirit of God. It's not in agreement with the spirit of God. So it blocks the spirit. It quenches it. It's not in agreement. It doesn't agree with it. And then the other thing it does, it keeps you in darkness because those things, all the work of the flesh is work of darkness. It, it blinds you spiritually. You will not see. Romans 8, 6. So letting your spiritual nature control your mind leads to death. That's what it does. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Now, I want to sound a note of warning here because there's something going on in this country where we live. And you know we copy easily. <laughs> we really copy. I want you to be aware of this. A lot of people are trying to discover who they are. And they employ all manner, even Christians, all manner of books written. Isn't it surprising we read so many books, but the only one we won't read is the Bible? The only book written by God is the Bible, brethren. It's the Bible. I've had to counsel somebody in big ministry 
who almost lost his, his, his uh, ministry, all, his marriage was in shambles, his life he was losing his mind. He sat in my office and I told him, I said, you read a lot of books. He said, yeah. I said, that's how you got confused. I said, why don't you focus on the Bible? You get all the wisdom you want from there. If there's any other book you read, the Bible has to underwrite whatever they're telling you there. If the Bible doesn't underwrite it, drop it fast, you don't need it. That wisdom is not from God. Now, there are a lot of people who are using all manner of plants and these things to try to discover who they are. And then they want to plant, then from these plants, they want to set out who they want to be. I say, Christian, you don't want to do that. Christ, God has already made you who you are and told you who you are and created you who he wants you to be. You don't have to waste your time looking for, oh, who am I and then what I want to be. It's not what you want to be. It's what God made you to be and who God wants you to be. Created you to be like Jesus. Created you to be like Jesus. Gave you the life of Jesus so you can live like Jesus. Case closed. You don't need nothing else. You don't need to discover who you are. Once you find Jesus, find yourself in Jesus, the Bible says you are complete. We are complete. There are a lot of programs out there. Even These are last days indeed. Christians follow these programs but the Bible says we are complete in Christ. Who am I? I'm a child of God, born of the Spirit, created to be like Jesus, and Jesus lives in me. And that's who I am. I'm a peculiar person. I'm a priest of God. That's who I am. Called to glory. That's who I am. Who do you want to be? Who God made me to be. That's what he made me to be. That's all I want to be. I am complete. I don't need any further programs to dream up who I want to be. This is, my, this is my character, my nature, my character. That's advanced psychology. And God is not a psychologist. God is love. Jesus is the truth. I want to warn us about this things that's going around in this last days. Be careful what to do. Isaiah 8.20 Say, look to God's instructions and teachings. People who contradict his word are completely in the dark. All these books, you don't need them. They're psychology. They're not Bible. They're psychology. Christianity is not psychology. Christianity is the wisdom of God. It's not the wisdom of men. Psychology is the wisdom of men. Christianity is the wisdom of God. Christ. The power of God. And the wisdom of God. It's not the wisdom of men. So now let's go on with our sermon. Now, the scripture teaches us again that uh, illustrating the new life we have, it uses the word grafting. Man, that's amazing. It says we are grafted. And you know, scientists use grafting to change fruit. If you have a tree and the fruit is, is not tasty, what they do is they cut a branch and graft it to another, the same type, if it's pure, they cut it and graft it to another pure whose, whose taste is better. And then that branch that is grafted begins to produce the same tasty fruit, different from the parent tree. Because a new life is flowing into that branch from the new place where it is grafted. And God says, that's what I did too. God did it before scientists learned it. We were cut off from, from the wide branch and grafted to Christ. And his life is now flowing in us. 
Look at what the scripture says, 1 Corinthians 6, 17. He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. So it's a grafting. It's a joining. Now, John 15, 5. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. I'm a branch. I'm a, I mean, I'm a vine. And we are the branch. You have been grafted to me. You weren't part of me before, but you've been grafted by God. So he says, yes, I am the vine. That's Jesus talking. He said, yes, I'm the vine. You are the branches. Those who, are, who remain in me, grafted and remain, and I in them, we produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. God's purpose is not served by human effort. It is through this life that flows into the branch that the, that the new fruit that is tasty comes. It's by attaching, grafted. Verse 6, anyone who does not remain in me, those who think they can do it, they know, they, you know, I've been a Christian many years, I know what I'm doing. They don't want to. They don't want to acknowledge the, the grafting that this is the source of my life. Christ in me, the hope of glory. He said, but, but, but anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. Verse 7, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may even ask for anything you want and it will be granted you. Verse 8, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. You see another definition of disciples. Jesus said, those who continue in my word are my disciples. He said, those who produce fruit are my disciples. It's not just church goers. It's not just church. Because he said, by their fruits, you shall know those who are mine. Because my life is flowing in them and is producing the fruit, the same fruit. My life is being seen. He said, those who produce fruit are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my father. Now, let's even see how uh, Romans illustrates this grafting and makes it clear to us. Romans chapter 11, verse 19. 11:19. Well, you may say, those branches were broken off to make room for me. Yes, but remember, those branches, those branches were broken off because they didn't believe in Christ. So when Jesus talks of, you are going to be broken off, it means you don't believe in me. You don't believe in what I'm telling you. You don't accept my word. That's why I say, if my word dwells in you, you don't believe it, you're broken off. We are not cooperating. There's no cooperation. We, we can't work together on, on, unless you agree with me. He says, because they didn't believe in Christ, you are, and you are there because you do believe. So when Jesus talks of being grafted, he's talking about those who believe him, who trust him, who rely on him. Those who are conscious of his presence in their lives. The new man, he met them. Those who believe in him. So, then, so don't think highly of yourself, but fear what happened. Verse 21. For if God did not spare the original branches, he won't spare you either. 22. Notice how God is both kind and severe. He's severe towards those who disobeyed, but kind to you if you continue to trust in his kindness. But if you stop trusting, you also will be cut off. You don't believe, you don't experience this thing. You'll be cut off from it. You'll be detached. And then it talks about what happens when we are detached. We become dry. We produce death. 
That's why the Bible says, if you follow the flesh, you shall die. It's, it, it detaches you from the spirit of Christ that gives life. That's what he's saying here. Now, in, um, so it's obvious to us to understand when, when the, the, the scripture says, abide in me, abide in me, and I, he's talking about believe me, trust me, and then I will walk in you. Now, Hebrews 3.14 reinforces this. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God as family, if we are faithful to the end, trusting God as family as when we first believe. That's what Jesus is saying. If you, if you stop believing, you are detached. But as long as you are believing, you are attached. And then the life continues to flow. And then you can bear much fruit. For if you are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Only by trusting, believing, attaching. Look at Paul's testimony, 2 Corinthians 1.12. We can say with confidence and a clear conscience that we have lived with a God-given holiness and sincerity in all our dealings. We have depended on God's grace, not our own human wisdom. That is how we have conducted ourselves before the world. This is how Paul lived his life. Trusting to the end. Depending on the Spirit. Relying on Christ. And the Spirit man is working. He said, this is how we have conducted ourselves before the world, and especially towards you, fellow Christians. So Paul began to tell the church, because we found that this Corinthian people, he was writing, and a couple of churches were really living in canal, canal. They have a canal, canal life, many of them. He wrote Hebrew people, he said, you are supposed to mature now. He said, you are still drinking milk. You are still babies. He said, let's go on to higher things. We can't be going around with the mental things of a teaching. He said, by now you are supposed to have grown out of childishness. But they were still carnal. He told Corinthian church, he said, you are carnal. You are still being ruled by your natural self. And so he started to address these things. Then he said to them, do you know the greater one is in you? That Jesus is in you. See how Paul started to correct these things. He wasn't giving them a bunch of laws, no. He was trying to fix their faith. Brethren, let me tell you, if you believe wrongly, you will live wrongly. Because as a man thinketh in his heart or believeth in his heart, so he will be. So wrong believing will bring, will bring long, wrong life. If, the, if, if what you have inside is darkness, it produces darkness. And so what Paul was doing was to fix their thinking, fix their faith. Their faith was not sound. Their faith was was not sound. So he started to give them knowledge of the truth to be able to fix their thinking so their lives will be corrected. So he began to tell them, look at, he wrote uh, Romans 8:13. For if you live by it, this, that the flesh, you will die. But if through the power of the spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. He said the power of the Spirit is within you. You can control this flesh. Let, let your spirit man come, become active. It, by the power that is resident there, it can put the death destiny. It can stop it. It can put it to death. Because we have this power in us. Christ in us. The power of God. The glory of God. The greater one in us. That's why we overcome the world. You know? So, he began to write to them in a... Um, 
First Corinthians six twelve. Six twelve. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of anything. See what he's telling them? You can live free. No power can subject, can, can make you subject to them. Because the greater one is in you. The power of Christ is in you. You can live free. Even food, even lawful things don't have to control a Christian. Meat for the belly and the belly for the meat. But God shall destroy all of that. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. So we, we need to understand that we can control the body. If, we, if our spirit man is active, there is inherent power. The greater one is in us. That's why we have overcome, we have overcome the world. It's a concluded thing. There's no contest, really. That's what Paul is reminding them. The power is in you. You cannot be brought under the power of anything. You cannot. I mean, if a man says, I will not be brought under the power of anything, there's something he, can, he trusts. And he says, I have trusted in the grace of God Every day of my life, everything grace gave me, I believe it and I trust it. So look at verse 14 of that 1 Corinthians 6, 14. And God had both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his own power. Then he began this addressing their ignorance. He mentioned, so you don't know this four times in writing. You don't know this. You don't know this. You don't. So he's saying their problem is ignorant. So in verse 15, know you not that your bodies are the members of Christ, which means you have been joined to Christ. He started to tell them who they are. You've been joined to Christ. Your bodies are members of Christ. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. He said, verse 16, what? Know you not. So you don't know that he which is joined to, to an harlot is one body, for two said he shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. You've been grafted to the Lord. You are one spirit with him. So you don't know this? Verse 18. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committed fornication sin it against his own body because he uses his own body to engage in it. You use your entire body in fornication. You engage your entire body in fornication. So in verse, in verse 19, he said, what? Know you not again. So you don't know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. You are, not, you are not who you used to be. Christ lives in you by his spirit. So you don't know you are joined to him. You don't understand that you, 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 you are now the temple of the He didn't give them ten commandments. He started to teach them the reality of the gospel. What the gospel gave them. The things that God gave them for life and godliness. You, Christ lives in you now. You are joined to him now. You are becoming his temple now. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own anymore. For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. 1 Corinthians 16, 3, 16. 1 Corinthians 3.16. He began again. Know you not. So you don't know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwelleth in you. So you don't know this truth. You don't know these facts. That's why you are deploying your nature. That's why your carnal nature is dominant. It's very active. 
You don't acknowledge what Christ has accomplished in you, that gives you, that he has given you so you live this life that God planned for you. He started to remind them, to teach them these things. Because their faith was not sound. An unsound faith will produce an unsound life. And the way to fix it, according to Paul, is to bring back the truth to them. Is to bring back the gospel to them. Because they needed to believe in what God has done. Is that truth that will set them free? Look at what he said in 1 Thessalonians 3.10. Night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your faith and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. To perfect, to make your faith sound. So you believe correctly. You believe that you are peculiar. You believe that the spirit of God lives in you. You believe you are joined to his spirit. You have been grafted to him. His life is flowing in you. He said to make your faith, to make what is lacking in your faith is what you don't know. It's what you have forgotten. It's what you don't understand. You, don't, you are not rightly dividing the world. That makes your faith unsound. It produces an unsound life. Brethren, because our life is a reflection of our faith. Titus 2 2. Teach the, teach the older men to exercise self control, to be worthy of respect, and to live wisely. They must have sound faith. Must have sound faith and be filled with love and patience. That's what sound faith produces. Love of God, the life of God, and patience. It produces that. Sound faith. It's a faith that is correct. Somebody has believed correctly. Believe the pure gospel correctly. The truth revealed by the Holy Spirit correctly. That faith is sound. 1 Corinthians 1.17 For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. It says so. To teach them the gospel is to bring the power of God, to activate the power of God in their lives. Now the result of what he was telling them is amazing. Totally amazing. Look at 2 Corinthians 7, 8. All these things we're reminding them of the power of God. It's amazing. Actually, the gospel is the power of God. Once you believe it, it starts working. It corrects your faith to put it squarely on Christ alone. So in 2 Corinthians 7, 8, I am not sorry that I sent that severe letter to you. Though I was sorry at the first, for I know it was painful for you for a, a little while, now I'm glad I sent it, not because it hurt you, but because the pain, the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. It was the kind of sorrow God wants his people to have. So you were not harmed by us in any way. He said, when you got that letter, I started reading it. It brought sorrow to you. You saw where you missed it. What was the love of Moses? It was gospel, the parable. Paul said, I was sent to preach the gospel. So I had to correct their faith. They saw they, they, had, they had gone different direction. They were in a different lane altogether. It pained them. They saw the glorious life they missed. They saw where they were supposed to be. They saw what God equipped them with. And they, it pained them. 
It really pained him. So let's continue to read. Verse 10. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. And then verse, there, there is no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. Now, you see, you can talk to somebody and make him sorrowful, but it may not be the sorrow that God wants. Because there are all manner of sorrow. Sorrow is because he knows somebody found out what I did. People know what I did. You can have sorrow for that. That's a selfish sorrow, because if they didn't find out, it would be comfortable. But now they know, because you're not really changing. It's because, you know, you think your ego has been tattered, and they know you go, we are sorrowful, and they start, you stop talking to whoever told them this thing. You stop talking to him. You're angry. That's not the sorrow that brings genuine repentance. This one is from the heart. Something penetrated their heart. The word of God is powerful. It's sharper than two-edged sword. The gospel is that word. It penetrated their soul, their spirit, and did what nothing can do in a man except the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing. It brought a change. It fixed their faith. So in verse 11, just see what this godly sorrow produced in you such earnestness, you see what happened now? Such earnestness, such concern to clear yourself. You see what happened now? Such concern to clear yourself, such indignation, such alarm, such longing to see me. Because before they, they, would, they, were, they were angry with him. They said he didn't know how to preach. They didn't, but now they say, oh, we, need, we really need to see. We are seeing the value of what you are telling us. We're seeing the value of what you're telling you. Longing to see me, such zeal and such a readiness to punish wrong, man. You show that you have done everything necessary to make things right now. It's a change that's taking place. Because their faith was corrected, their eyes opened. The gospel is the light that opens your eyes and brings you understanding. And you see where you are. The word of God is lamp onto your feet and lamp, lamp, lamp onto your path. Enlightened them, they saw where they were, and they saw the path they are supposed to follow. They became sorrowful. And nobody needed to push them. On their own volition, they were making things right. And saying, no, this is not our lifestyle. We're not going to live this way anymore. Prepare from within. Make the inside clean, the outside will be clean. Prepare from inside. Prepare. Jesus said it so. It's not from outside. It's not an external pressure. It's not, no. Prepare from within. Make the inside clean. And the, the inside were clean. Their understanding came alive. Their faith came alive. They began to believe correctly. The light, the light, the, the light came. Blindness was removed. Blindness, Jesus said, I came to give sight to the blind. He, he, he came into the scene. Blindness was pulled out. When you turn to the Lord, the blindness is removed. The, you can give me 100 laws. If I'm blinded, I will not know what you're talking about. Only when you turn to the Lord Jesus, who is the light of this world, that the blinding takes off. That's why the gospel is our message. Jesus is our message. He's the light when he shines into the heart of a man. And the man opens up. The man will see light. Light is supposed to reveal something, to expose something to you. They saw where they were. They didn't like it. They didn't like it. And they made a change. When I got saved, I saw where I was. I didn't like it. I went to my wife and I asked for forgiveness. She didn't ask me to. Something within swelled up. There was a new life. 
That's what Jesus is talking about. And so, we need to, we need to give ourselves continuously to this, to this truth that uh, the Bible is revealing, the new life that we have, and make sure that our, our faith is sound. Look at, the, look at Corinthians, what Paul said to the Corinthians, the Corinthian church, because they too were having issues. They were having issues. In verse Corinthians, Galatians chapter 3, from verse 1. Galatia chapter 3, from verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Christ's death was made as clear to you as you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. We taught you about his death. The, the things he made available to you for life and godliness. May you have taken your eyes off all of those things. He said, you have to lose your mind to do stuff like that. You just have to. He said, this has to be a demonic something that will blind you, blind you to make this kind of choice for something that is destructive. Instead of remaining in the light and the truth of the gospel, the meaning of Christ, Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you so you can believe it so your faith will be sound. He said, oh foolish Galatians. How do you do this? How do you live again? All the things he gave you, he died to provide, you neglected them now. So how are you going to live your life? Is it the flesh or what? So you have to be foolish to make such a decision. My prayer today is that we'll go back and make sure that we desire to know that our faith is fixed, that our faith is correct, is sound, that we believe the gospel. That we, like Paul, acknowledge that we are new creatures. We shouldn't be ashamed of the gospel. We should acknowledge it in public. We should be aware of it. We should be conscious of the hidden man you have become. You should be conscious of Christ that lives in you. You should be conscious of the power of the Spirit that's available, that is working in you. You should be conscious of the new glorious life you have. You'll be moved from shame to glory. And you know because you are joined to Christ, that's why even if you drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt you. Because this life is flowing. It's flowing. It's, it's, it, look, it's antidote to anything. It's antidote to anything. And that's why you lay hands on the sick, they recover. Because this life is flowing through. So let's go back and make sure that we are really uh, determined to understand this sweet life. Determined to know it to ourselves and determined to live it out. And then our joy will be full.